Hey Coco, thanks so much for being here. No problem. So do you want to just tell our audience or whoever what you identify as and just to, as a little introduction? So hi, um, I'm Isabel or Coco. Um, I'm 15 and I live in New York City. All right, cool. And I think we're just going to get right into it. So as someone who lives in New York City, what has it been like with the pandemic and mentally, emotionally, just whatever you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was that it was a really big shock because before New York City was like always busy, there was always people and stores were always open like past midnight. And when the pandemic happened, it was like a radical switch to the streets being empty, everything was closed. And that's really different in New York City. Um, and I think there was just a general feeling of anxiety and fear throughout the streets that I think everyone felt. But there was also like a sense of community, which was really unique to that time. I really love how you talked about that because mainly in the news, I often find that fear is over overpowering everything that people are experiencing. So can you talk about that sense of community that you found? Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially in New York, everyone's really stuck in their own worlds and in their own problems. And it's really rare that everyone has like this one thing that is like scary for everyone. So I think that when the pandemic happened, sort of everyone felt that like when you're walking in the streets, everyone knows that we all have this common fear this common issue. And I think that really made like everyone in the city feel close together. I love the way you put that. And I know you have a personal connection that I was really sorry to hear about because our dads have been friends for decades and you told me that your dad tested positive. So do you want to elaborate on that experience? Yeah, actually, um, my whole family tested positive. Um, oh no. <laughs> yeah. You? Um, yeah, I did as well. Um, it, it was really scary at the time. Yeah, I think my dad are the only ones who actually took the test, um, but like everyone got sick. Um, my dad is diabetic, so I think that was a little scarier. Um, I have asthma, so it did affect my lungs a lot. So I ended up going to the ER one day. Um, I think that was really shocking because um, normally the ER looks very organized. It's very put together. But right now, it was, like when I went, it was just triage beds and like back to back. Everyone was terrified, like it was hectic. And I think that normally the hospital feels like a safe place. But when I went, it really didn't. It was very, um, very hectic. Yeah, but I can only imagine. Yeah. I think the good thing was that once, like my whole family had COVID-19, we weren't as scared anymore, because we kind of experienced the thing everyone was scared of. So it was kind of a relief. Yeah, you're taking this really maturely instead of just succumbing to the fear, you're finding a community and sense of almost safety in this crazy pandemic and virus and also just the whole experience in the hospitals this hasn't been your first experience with it right because of the spine surgery or something yeah um in last june i had a spine surgery yeah so do you want to elaborate on that experience and compare it to now during the pandemic yeah sure um i think before when i had surgery um i was in the icu and even then it just seemed very um controlled like I felt like the nurses were totally in control. I felt like I didn't have any fear of anything going wrong because the hospital just seemed so put together. Everyone just seemed like in place. But then during the pandemic, like we could tell that like the nurses 
had so much on their plate and they were working so hard, which like, I'm so thankful. But um, everyone was just scrambling. It was chaotic. And normally a hospital, which is a place of control, became like a place of chaos, which is really different. Yeah. Could you just explain what the spine procedure was like? Like, what was the issue? How did it get resolved? What was the recovery like? Yeah. So um, I, I I used to be a gymnast and I had an injury and um, basically my vertebrae slipped on top of each other after a fracture. Um, it's called spondylolisthesis. So um, the surgery was a fusion to put it back together, basically. Um, I was in the hospital for about a week, so it wasn't that long. Um, but I think I really got um, accustomed to how things work there. Yeah. And then seeing it now just was kind of a shock to you, I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely. So just being in a hospital setting multiple times and seeing this craziness impact you on a personal first-hand level, how has that changed your views on the world? How has that impacted what's important to you, your values? Yeah, I think I definitely got a great appreciation for um, like all the healthcare workers there. And I, it also made me um, see how important it is for us to take like extra precautions and wear masks. So a lot of times before like it's over or it's like has a high survival rate, but we don't think about like how much it impacts the people who are actually getting it. And I think once I saw that, it made me think like, wow, this is really important. Like we really need to. Yeah, with health, with health issues, um, especially people always distance it from themselves saying, oh, there's such a low risk, such a low possibility, but it's a very real possibility. Like for example, with my brother, where he was, diagnosed with a rare condition called aplastic anemia. I I was only four at the time, but still, if I was an adult, I would have been like, I would have never assumed this could happen. This is just so unlikely. Like, what are the odds? But yeah, it's a very real thing. And um, I know that Instagram is a great place to advocate. And I saw that you were posting things about medical racism, and especially with the Black Lives Matter movement being so powerful at the moment. Do you want to just talk about that for a bit? Yeah, um, like we've seen by statistics that the black and brown communities are the ones getting most impacted by COVID-19, but oftentimes are the ones getting ignored the most. And there's just so many studies showing how it's so hard for a black woman to get care because they're being ignored. So I think that dealing with like racism is the second pandemic going on, especially in a time like this. If we don't deal with and like acknowledge the racism going on every day, we're not going to be able to get back to a place or get to a place in the first place. I love the way you put that. I love the way you put that racism as like a simultaneous pandemic. And especially for black women, I know that they have been experimented on in so many horrifying ways in the past. Like one of the um, gynecologists of our past that are like, I forget the name, but they were really revered. They, she would perform an experience, perform experiments on black women just without anesthesia and perform surgery in such horrible ways and even now because of stereotypes people assume that because black people were basically like because of slavery they made these stereotypes that black people don't experience as much pain just to justify it and then that translate into not getting as much pain pain meds as they deserve now which I think is horrible and just really unfair yes definitely yeah so do you have any I don't know additional thoughts on that or yeah I think a lot of times people always think especially like we have a lot of medical tv shows and like a lot of like images on how the healthcare system should work a lot of people think it's as easy as going in with a problem and then just getting it solved but a lot of times especially for women and black women when they present their issues 
they get ignored or they get called hysterical because of this racism that's underlying and this sexism. So I think it's, it's like you can't solve one without solving the other. And I think people really need to realize that. I love that. So since you identify as a woman, have you firsthand had any experiences where people weren't trusting or giving you credibility for any pain levels you were experiencing? Um, yeah, I think especially um, like before my surgery, when before they did an x-ray, I was in gymnastics and I was explaining like, wow, I'm in so much pain. Like, I don't think I can do this. Everyone's like, just push through. Everyone feels pain. And it was like a really, I started to believe that like, okay, I'm crazy or like, there's nothing wrong. Um, but I think that like, it was really validating when someone finally listened to me and did an x-ray and realized that like, there was something wrong. Yeah. And yeah, I think that we really need to trust people more, especially women. And especially since the only man in your family, your dad, do you think that if you went to the hospital together that he would have had a better experience treatment wise or something like that, especially as an older person? Yeah, I think especially people tend to listen to men more. So I think even when we're going to the hospital, we'll, we'll have my dad say the issue. And I think that really goes to show like the impact that misogyny has in our culture. Yeah. America has a really good way of just making women more smaller than they actually are. And that 71% of our government, I believe, is cons- consists of ma- men. So that's just dictating the way our lives run. And especially, I've been doing a lot of research on this with um, anti-abortion laws and things like that, where only five days ago, um, they restricted birth control for being part of Obamacare, which is just counterintuitive because if they, if people believe that abortion is killing people and killing young babies or infants, then why would you just take away abortion as something that we can access? So, yeah, I really love that. Um, Is there anything else you want to add about your experience with hospitals or just mentally during coronavirus? Um, Just that I have so much gratitude for, like, everyone who has been working so hard and that I hope people start to respect um, what we need to do in order to make healthcare workers' jobs easier and make everyone's lives better. Yeah, so I also know that you posted, I think, on Instagram about uh, accessibility for people who are disabled. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, so since my injury, I've developed a lot of more issues, like chronic illnesses related to what happened in the first place. And I think I've learned firsthand how inaccessible New York City is and how inaccessible our society is. Um, So first of all, what, what were the issues you were experiencing or difficulties? Um, so after my um, initial surgery, I still had pain, so we kind of had to figure out what was going on. So I got diagnosed with um, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder, which causes pain. So I figured out what was going on um, and just more comorbidities of that issue. Um, so I have a lot of trouble walking. And I think I've realized that like a lot of times, like buildings aren't accessible for that. There's not always wheelchair accessibility. And even in my school, like, which we do have an elevator, I'll often get, like, snarky comments about, like, you look fine, why are you taking an elevator? So I think people have to realize that, like, invisible disabilities do exist. Especially as we were talking about earlier with credibility and people just not thinking that women are exaggerating with the pain they experience. Because there have been studies where um, young boys and young girls, where I believe at that age, your pain level would be similar, where young boys are always considered to be more credible and trustworthy. And especially with our society where men are always expected to have this tough exterior. I feel like because of that, they believe that once a boy or a man actually does talk about pain, it must be even at a higher level because of how much they would have to be enduring. So, yeah. 
have you do you think um I don't know, is there anything, I'm actually really ignorant about ableism, and I know that people take it for granted, especially because when people talk about privilege, I feel like it's mainly race or gender, but people don't actually take into account for that ableism is such a huge thing and impacts basically everything. So is there anything else you want to say on that topic? Um, I just think a lot of times people blame issues on the disability. It'll be like, wow, you can't do things because you have a disability. But I think if we start looking at it as, is the issue really the disability or the lack of accessibility in our world? Because if things were to just be more accessible, then disabilities wouldn't be as much of an issue in our society. So I think that there's nothing wrong with embracing having a disability and being proud of it. As long as the world becomes accessible, then people with disabilities can do just as much. That's really great. Do you have any like thoughts or ideas about what should be implemented, especially into New York City? Yeah, so for one thing, I think that Anything you can do, you can make it more accessible. So I think videos, if you're ever making a video, to add captioning so people who are deaf can understand. Um, and if you're doing theater, especially in New York City, um, having yeah. wheelchair accessible theaters, that's not always the case. Um, and having ASL interpreters at theaters so everyone can enjoy it. Um, and if you're ever doing an event, if your activism isn't um, accessible for people who, who are disabled it's not truly activism yeah I and I know that I know that protests are especially a big part as we mentioned earlier the Black Lives Matter movement so how would someone who is a person that is disabled or has difficulties be able to do that and still advocate for the same issues or rights yeah I think uh, one of the big issues coming from the police side is that they're using tear gas which can be really dangerous for people who have um, respiratory diseases so I think coming in prepared knowing what you can wear to protect yourself and looking at to find a protest that's most accessible for you in a location that's most accessible for you. Um, and also just trying to do activism online and in other forms if you really can't make it to the protest. Yeah, I love that. And as a person who was restricted to just being in a hospital for a long time, twice in your life and just within two years, I'm assuming, yes. Uh, what was it like mentally for you and emotionally or like, with your social connections if you probably weren't able to see your friends as often or miss you out in school what was that like yeah I felt really isolated and a lot of FOMO um yeah I I would be looking at Instagram feeds and be like oh my god I wish I could be here um but I think when I started to realize we have this perception around being in a hospital and being sick that you always have to be sad and then it has to be this like sad hard experience but I think when we start looking at it as like you can still be in the hospital and be happy and um, be like successful, then we can change the mindset around illness and disability. Yeah. Um, I've met some of my closest friends like who have the same condition as me. Um, so I think that even though I like, while I was in the hospital, I missed out on some moments. I also think I gained a lot of strength, a lot of experiences that I wouldn't have if I wasn't in that situation. I love that. I just, you're finding a lot of positivity in this, which is a great attribute. And I think a lot of people could and should grow to have that alongside during this pandemic. So yeah. And just in terms of getting testing positive and getting treatment and all of that, what what was that like? Just for just for our audience who are, just don't believe that this is as severe as it actually is, just what is something you want to tell them just to prove how real the situation is? Yeah, so for me and my family, how it worked was I started feeling like a pain in my lungs and being short of breath, and I have asthma, so we, we were kind of concerned. So I think at 10 p.m., we went to urgent care, 
to get a test. Um, and we did, and it took a while. Um, and then we got a call and they said that we, me and my dad both tested positive. And I think when we got that call, it was just a really scary moment of just like not knowing how this was going to progress, not knowing how hard it would be. And for us, it was the beginning of the pandemic, like when it just like started to pick up. So there was very little information about what we were supposed to do. So for me, as someone who has asthma, the normal medication I would take when my lungs were flaring up was pregnisone. But there was some information going around saying that pregnisone made COVID-19 worse and to not take pregnisone. So we were just really confused about like what I should do because no one really knew. I ended up taking it and it ended up working. But I think when I took it, what? Oh, that's good. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when I took it, there was this big fear of just like, will this make the COVID nineteen worst? Will it get better? Even the nurses didn't know. They were like, you should take it, but we don't really know how this is gonna work. And I think there was such a lack of information that it was really scary. So I think getting educated and getting knowledge, just new knowledge comes out. Now we know that we need to increase testing. We need to wear masks. We need to do social distancing. We know this now. So I think now that we have more information and as we're getting more information, we really have to follow it because there's no other way to do it. Yeah, exactly. It's a small, not even an inconvenience, just putting on a mask on your face when nurses are walking around 24 hours with full coverage, including masks. And just basically, I feel like people are more wary of that social distance, especially than the mental health and like stress level for nurses can really decrease and they'll be better. And it'll create a better environment for people who have to go to hospitals to get treated for coronavirus. So yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to mention or talk about? Um, no, I think this was great. All right. That's good. I was really, I'm really glad we did this. Me too. All right. Well, I hope you had a good day and yeah, enjoy the rest of it. You too. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye.